In the third chapter, 1 Timothy, Paul writes, Since childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures that help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character so that the person who belongs to God will be equipped to do everything that is good. Let us pray for illumination. Oh God, as your word is read and proclaimed, open our hearts to the message that you have for us today. Amen. Our first reading is from Paul's letter to, first letter to the Corinthians in the second chapter. And I'm reading from that common English Bible translation. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, I didn't come preaching God's secrets to you like I was an expert in speech or wisdom. I had made up my mind not to think about anything while I was with you except Jesus Christ and to preach him as crucified. I stood in front of you with weakness, fear, and a lot of shaking. My messages and my preaching weren't presented with convincing, wise words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power, I did this so that your faith might not depend on the wisdom of people, but on the power of God. What we say is wisdom to people who are mature. It isn't wisdom that comes from the present day or from today's leaders who are being reduced to nothing. We talk about God's wisdom, which has been hidden as a secret. God determined this wisdom in advance, before time began, for our glory. It is a wisdom that none of the present-day rulers have understood, because if they did understand it, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. But this is precisely what is written. God has prepared things for those who love him, that no eye has seen or ear has heard or that haven't crossed the mind of any human being. God has revealed these things to us through the Spirit. The Spirit searches everything, including the depths of God. Who knows a person's depths except their own spirit that lives in them? In the same way, no one has known the depths of God except God's Spirit. We haven't received the world's spirit, but God's spirit, so that we can know the things given to us by God. These are the things we are talking about, not with words taught by human wisdom, but with words taught by the spirit. We are interpreting spiritual things to spiritual people. Now, our gospel lesson comes from part of the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to what Jesus says in the fifth chapter of Matthew, starting at the 13th verse. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how will it become salty again? It's good for nothing except to be thrown away and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on top of a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bushel. 
Instead, they put it on top of a lampstand, and it shines on all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before people so that they can see the good things you do and praise God your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever noticed how often sermons start with a question? <laughs> Have you noticed how many sermon titles pose a question? Well, the question today is, are you, am I, are you a low-sodium Christian with a 40-watt bulb? In the four verses we read from the fifth chapter of Matthew, we're given two metaphors and some instructions on how to live. The metaphors are easy to spot, salt of the earth, light of the world. But what do they mean? When Jesus spoke these words, salt would have suggested about four or five things to those gathered there on the mountain with his disciples. Value, purity, preservation, and flavor. Now, salt is cheap today. On Friday, Betty and I bought a, a, the replacement for this 26-ounce, or if you prefer, 737-gram container of salt. Regular old Harris Teeter iodized table salt. 37 cents. But in Bible days, salt was used as currency. In fact, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. Our word salary comes from the word salt and from that practice of being paid in salt. In fact, the 14th verse of the fourth chapter of the book of Ezra starts, now because we share the salt of the palace, well, that's one translation. Uh, the newer translation says, since we receive our salary from the palace, salt and salary were the same things. So it was valuable. I read that salt was associated with wisdom in rabbinic literature, the works of the rabbis. In fact, in Colossians 4, 6, we read, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, and the salt, not salty language, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Well, in the newer translation, it says, instead of seasoned with salt, it says with insight. So salt and insight were associated. Salt was and is a preservative. In fact, before refrigeration, it was the main way to preserve meat. And in Old Testament times, salt was also used to preserve a covenant. In the 18th chapter of the book of Numbers, uh, there's a reference to a salt covenant. Salt also, as everyone knows, enhances flavor. Most of us would agree with Job, who in the 6th chapter of Job says, Can that which is tasteless be eaten without salt? And unless you've gotten used to that, if you try grits or rice or oatmeal without salt, 
you say, this is terrible. <laughs> when food has just the right amount of salt, it doesn't taste salty, it tastes good. Salt enhances flavor, it enriches. Well, yes, yes, I do remember that many of us are on low-salt diets <clears throat> because too much sodium makes you retain water and that in turn raises your blood pressure and that makes your heart work way too hard and it puts you in danger. But remember, we're not talking about cardiovascular health here. We're talking about biblical metaphors for disciples. <clears throat> this kind of salt won't hurt you. Light is the other metaphor Jesus uses to describe disciples. When Jesus tells disciples, you are light, well, it might call to mind what Isaiah said in the first few verses of the 60th chapter of that book of prophecy. Arise, shine, your light has come. The Lord's glory has shone upon you. Though darkness covers the earth and gloom the nations, the Lord will shine on you. God's glory will appear over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to your dawning radiance. Okay, Jesus told disciples they were salt and light. And since we're disciples, telling us. What's that got to do with us, though? At the beginning of, of the fifth chapter of Matthew's uh, account of the Sermon on the Mount, says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain and he sat down with the disciples, came to him and he taught them saying, and then he had the Beatitudes, the blessed are, or the happy are, Beatitudes. And by the way, if you read the Beatitudes, you'll notice something about them. All those blessings, they don't have a thing to do with somebody doing something. They're bestowed because of God's grace, not because they did something. Well, the Beatitudes, and then follows our text for today. He was talking to the 12 disciples, but also to the crowds gathered on the mountain. By the end of the, that sermon in Matthew, the end of Matthew 7 says, when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. They were astounded. And because Matthew wrote down those words of Jesus, we have them for our instruction too. But first notice how Jesus put these characterizations of disciples. He did not say, Linda, you should be. Sharon, you need to try to be. Paul, you ought to be. He didn't say any of that. He said, you are. You are salt of the earth. You are light of the world. It's part of our identity as disciples of Jesus Christ to be salt of the earth, light of the world. Jesus tells us to do good works and to do them in public. He says, let your light shine before people so they can see the good things you do and praise the Father who is in heaven. So this is not some call to private piety. Oh, religion, that's a private thing. No. We are called to be salt and light in ways that people can see 
and glorify God because of it. The problem is that when it comes to being salt of the earth, many of us are more in that low sodium kind of category. When it comes to being light of the world, many of us are more like this 40 watt bulb, too dim to do much good. <laughs> well, think about it. Where in your life do you have opportunities to glorify God by being salt and light? Where in your life do you see others being salt of the earth, light of the world? Well, I see individual examples of people being salt and light in the many ways that people of this church encourage and support each other, mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice. I'm not going to embarrass anyone by giving examples, but every one of us knows how each of us has been helped by kind and thoughtful words and deeds of people in this church. Many of us read Jesus' words, you are, we see that you is singular, they're talking to me. Well, they are. But in the original language, guess what? It's in the plural. So not just by ourselves, but as the church of Jesus Christ, the church is to be the world's salt and light. I see our church's gifts to the interfaith prison ministry as one example, or another is Maria's monthly contributions to the food bank that serves Johnston County. And then there are the ways that our Presbytery and our denomination have worked to provide help in emergencies and to address bad situations around the world. You want to know more about what those are, if you're on Facebook, just friend Presbyterian World Mission, and you can see how funds that we give end up going around the world to help in times of disaster. And not just to other countries, but to places where there's need here in this country. But we all know about unmet needs, and we all know we can do more. We can all do more to put our faith into action. So let me ask again the question of the day. Are you a low-sodium Christian with a 40-watt bulb? Or are you the disciple Jesus has called us to be salt of the earth, light of the world. Thanks be to God. Here's the assignment. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God for you. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you, Lord. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>